Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Hi guys, welcome into your Thursday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. It's your host, Jake Burns. I am uh, excited to be joined by a really good guest today, which we'll get to in just a minute. A reminder of things that are out there for your consumption through the OBR. We have had some pieces up this week that uh, look at the defensive line and pieces of uh, content that are looking forward, looking at previous performance. And I um, also spent time talking about that on Monday's show. If you go back to Twitch, you can check out the Monday show uh, as a means to see sort of the angle there, right? So uh, free agents that are out there, uh, performance thoughts on theory and so on and so forth uh, tied to what's here, what could be here next year, and uh, just general ideas going into free agency in the draft. That's out there as well. I wrote up, uh, oddly enough, it's uh, focused on defensive line, but I wrote on the two young offensive linemen that are in-house that I like in Nick Harris and James Hudson. You VIP subscribers can find that. Uh, check that out as well. Quick reminder about Blue Wire and asking you if you've signed up for the Blue Wire Newswire uh, newsletter just yet. Uh, it's a perfect time to do so. If you have not, you can sign up. You can win prizes every month like gift cards, free merch, and cold hard cash, which everybody loves. In celebration of American Prodigy's third season, you can win some sick Blue Wire merch as well. Sign up today, immediately be entered to win. All you have to do is check the description to this podcast and you will be able to find the link. Click on that link, sign up, and you're entered for a chance to get some of that. Uh, some of that cool stuff that's out there. So going to welcome in friend of the show, I believe a friend of mine, a guy who I think uh, I really appreciate his insights on this whole thing. And that's Jordan Zerm uh, from the Checkdown. Jordan, how are you, man? Good, Jake. Honored to be called a friend of the show. I feel like, you know, that's, um, you may have to send me a, like a card or something that has that on it so I can show it to people. Um, so I can just like have it in my wallet. So feeling, uh, feeling honored to be an official friend of the show. Listen, man, I I was always uh, ready to come on the rebuild whenever whenever necessary. You put the bat signal out, so I uh, I owe you like seven podcast visits whenever you get around to doing that again. So keep that rain check. Uh, yeah, no, I've got the tally going. Don't you worry. <laughs> well, hey, well, I wanted to talk to you a lot about defensive stuff this week, but a, a thing that has come up, man, that is, is I'm just going to be frank. It's driving me crazy. It's driving me crazy. Not that I think Kevin Stefanski is infallible, and I think I can sometimes put off that impression, and I really don't mean to put off that impression, but I, I, I do think there are several areas in which the guy can, can improve. Uh, but, but to me, there's a lot of results-based thinking going on right now where if they just had top 20 quarterback play this past year, you're not even concerned about the things people are talking about. But things that keep coming up, and I invited anybody through tweet to, to come on the podcast who wanted to argue, uh, and again, I like Nick... Uh, I think I think it's like Nick Nick uh, Nick Pedone is is who put this out. And I hope I'm saying Nick's name right, and I and I'm not meaning to be disrespectful at all, um, you know, for, with with what I'm saying here. But like the the thing that is going on about how the wide receivers in the system are 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 not being accentuated by the the the, the head coach or the scheme, Jordan. So like. I think I want to find Nick's tweet because then I can kind of go. And again, I'm not nothing against Nick. I met him. I like him. It's a good dude. Just a difference in opinion. Uh, I did not get uh, Nick to want to to come on, but like the idea was uh, the, these wide receivers in the system. And again, I should have been a little bit better prepared here, but but uh, 
you know, like blaming the wide receivers for, or the coach for the wide receiver issues. So Stefanski has to change. So on and so forth. let me find it. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm dragging this out a little bit. So if the scheme, okay, his tweet was, and this is not the first I've seen it. It's been in a bunch of different places. Maybe uh, if the offensive scheme allowed wide receivers to be successful, uh, we wouldn't have to follow social media meltdowns. And then is blaming it on the coach. So do you, let me ask you this. Do you, as a general question, we'll go from here, have an issue with wide receiver structure through the scheme and what Kevin Stefanski does? Uh, no, I think <laughs> the funniest part about this, and you just mentioned it in the intro, it truly is, and we'll obviously break it down more than that, but on the most simplistic level, had like you said, had the Browns just gotten average quarterback play from Baker Mayfield, um, this is not a, no, no one here is having this conversation. And as you go a little bit further into it, it's just like, I don't understand how people could watch the Browns this season and come to the conclusion that be, that the scheme was not helping wide receivers get open. And therefore that is why the offense struggled. Like of all the reasons that the offense struggled, I don't think there was, ever a time where it was like, oh, the Kevin Stefanski's offensive design doesn't get anybody open. Like, I just, it's sort of baffling to me in that sense. So, you know, there's, we all had our, you know, sort of fun with OBJ's dad's video and how absurd it, that whole situation was. But there's, there's truth in the video, not just only for OBJ, but, but for everybody. And there's plenty of data and I think everybody points to the that tweet from one uh, a PFF employee about, you know, the top like five teams that had, you know, three or more receivers open the most percentage of the time. And the Browns were, I forget what it was, but they were either four or five. They were way up there. Um, everybody likes to, you know, that's like the popular tweet to kind of refute this. But it's just like just watching the games, I can think of a myriad of Baker Mayfield passes that um, – were targeted <laughs> at an open receiver and were inaccurate balls. I mean, I think like the the example that always stands out the most in my mind is his pass to um, Jarvis Landry against the Green Bay Packers, where you know either he didn't the foundation wasn't right or whatever it was, but his back foot turned all the way inside and he threw it two miles above a wide open Jarvis Landry's head for an interception, and that's just one example of a lot of his interceptions. I, I would imagine that if you go back and, and put on the tape that as, as you have Jake, that a lot of his interceptions were just straight up misses. So I don't understand. That's not true. I do understand why people um, attempt to sort of justify the play of the quarterback by doing things like this. And like you said, Kevin Stefanski is not infallible. And if you have gripes with the sort of maybe some of the play calls, he either called too often or not often enough. Or if you have an issue with his run pass balance, like all those things are, those are fair criticisms, but it's not the scheme. It's um, it truly goes all the way back to just, if your quarterback was accurate, like we thought he would be and what sort of his calling card was out of college. Uh, a lot of these conversations a la last season, you know, I don't know where it's not like the offense changed, right, Jake? Like it's not like Stefanski all of a sudden wasn't running 13 and 12 personnel and, and doing all the same things he was doing. Um, I guess we can call it two seasons ago now that this season has officially ended. 
when, you know, when the Browns were a game away from the AFC championship. So what's the biggest difference? It's the quarterback play. And I just don't fully understand like why that has become such a hard thing for people to grasp and why, you know, we've, we have tweets like this that sort of try to shift the blame to a scheme thing and a Kevin Stefanski thing when, yeah, you, you get somebody who is completing half of the passes that Baker wasn't. And, you know, we're talking about something very different. Yeah, I, I don't think the margin here is huge. Like if you score a touchdown more per game, right? Like that yep. changes the entire perception. And it's just a couple, like like four throws a game to keep some drives alive and you can score 10 more points a game where like, you know, he's not alone. Nick is not alone. And I swear to God, I hope people don't send him this and be like, Jake's bashing you. I'm not. I understand there's difference of opinion and I welcome somebody to come chat about it. Like Tyvis Powell, former Ohio State player, has seen levels of football I can only dream of. He even tweeted out the week before as Browns fans, we should say that that would say we should draft a wide receiver at 13, right? He says, my response for that is for what? Until the play calling changes, it's pointless. We don't utilize them. We're a run first team. So he's talking about trying to draft a defensive player, right? It's like, hmm, I don't, I, okay. So I think what happens here is a lot of people trace it back to this offense doesn't pump two things for wide receivers. It doesn't pump targets in their direction at a ridiculously high volume, and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't utilize 11 personnel as much, right? Like doesn't do those things. So then you start thinking, okay, let's analyze why, right? Let's analyze why he, the only times he's ever called plays was with Minnesota and Kirk cousins. And I understand that the wide receivers are good, but Adam Thielen was hurt for a portion of that year. Stefan Diggs still got a good number of targets, despite being all over the map mentally that season. Got up to a, like he had ninety four or something like that. So, like that, you have Dalvin Cook, you have that structure, right? Like, so I don't, I don't think that that's. <laughs> it's not Josh Allen. You're not dealing with Pat Pat Mahomes. You're not dealing with this. Uh, I think he was doing the responsible thing in Minnesota based on what they had, and they won. They went down to, to New Orleans and won a playoff game in the Superdome and did great things, right? Like. The same can be said for on the flip side here uh, of of Cleveland. You're going to bring him in and expect him to to use all of these wide receivers that that all the time. You know, uh, obviously he doesn't have Odell Beckham for large portions. He only got Odell for portions of seasons. Uh, Jarvis has hurt the second season, but Jarvis did go over 100 targets the the, the 2020 season. So it's like to to me, it's like I I think like the interesting thing here is like. What do you want him to do? What are you expecting him to do based on the personnel? Like, I, I just don't like what, what do you expect him to do? He doesn't have a quarterback that's playing well. So if he doesn't have a quarterback that's playing all too well, his, his skill, uh, trustable, explosive skill is more in the backfield. It's, this is not, he's not coming into a place that has a, a truly dynamic quarterback that he should trust the game to run through. And I think maybe that's a hard reality that people don't put together with Baker, right? Like they don't put that together. And the same for like the, the usage of getting three wide receivers on the field. Uh, I think that if you look at the Browns roster, it's not a secret that their, their tight ends have been more skilled than some of the bottom receivers on the roster. So like I'd expect him to use more tight ends. I just think that you're not being realistic about the personnel they've had here and the quarterback they have here and the quarterback he had in Minnesota and how you would expect with Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to operate, right? Like, 
that's yeah, and- where I'm at with it. I just think that the expectation is all over the place for what, like, look at the roster, man. You, who do you, who do you want? Like, and Baker's not playing well. So how are you going to trust him to throw somebody 160 targets? Right. I, I don't for know sure. what you're expecting. And I mean, I think, you know, you just touched on it, but we're also just glossing over how big of a part of the offense the, the tight ends are. And like, I know they're called tight ends, but you know, like I think of David and Joku as a wide receiver. I think of, um, Austin Hooper is a wide receiver. Like, yes, they are, you know, they, they line up, um, you know, tight in the formation. And it's like, yes, they are called tight ends. But I mean, in this offense, they are an extension of, of the wide receivers and tight ends have become extensions of, of wide receivers in almost every modern offense that you're seeing. So like a lot of targets go to Austin Hooper. A lot of targets go to David and Joe. Same thing with a year ago when, when Harrison Bryant was um, involved more in the offense. Like, so those are going to take away targets from wide receivers, but this isn't anything like this is a known entity. Like this happened all 2020. So again, I'm, I'm with you in the confusion into like, did we, yeah, was this offense is not going to turn into, even if Baker was playing well, this offense isn't turning into like Sean McVay and the Rams, you know, and like trotting out 11 personnel on almost every uh, on every formation like that's just not what it is it's not what Kevin Stefanski did in Minnesota it's not what the Browns hired him for and you know this is obviously we've gone over this with Baker but I mean I think a huge reason why Baker was so successful two seasons ago was because of how quarterback friendly the offense was and, and how Stefanski played to Baker's strengths that did not become and remain strengths this season but the play action and um, and the bootlegs and and, and all of that stuff where Baker really flourished uh, two seasons ago. So I think it's, you know, Pete, I do think it is hard and it remains hard for people to just sort of be like Baker had, was a below average quarterback this past season and is just like the, the offense is tailored to accentuate the good stuff he does. But again, like you said, he's not Josh Allen. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Matthew Stafford. He's not these guys that you can just say, go make a, you know, go make a, a play on a third and 10, stand back there in the pocket and, and go through your progressions and all that. He's just not at that level. And I think until there's a, a consensus on that, which I don't in Cleveland, especially there's just not going to be, it's too emotional. It's too, there's too much attachment in it. There's too much, um, you know, kind of riding on the people that, love Baker Mayfield and I, I think we're at a point now where it's just you just kind of ex- accept that but it is very strange that it has gone from yeah it's a different offense it's fancy runs he's going you know with these multiple tight ends and but it's you know like I don't know if anybody's saying like Kyle Shanahan's scheme isn't good when because they line up they, they basically turn Debo Samuel into a uh, running back you know like I don't think anybody's talking about that there's similar offenses it's just your quarterback didn't get the playmakers the ball and it's it's completely different you know had the Browns had a season like the 49ers had and the 49ers didn't even have that incredible regular season they turned it on late but you know it, they weren't like they were struggling for a lot of the season um but it's a similar offense that utilizes George Kittle and has Debo Samuel lining up all over the formation, like, and runs the ball all over the place. So, yeah, I, I get why it's happening. I just, it's frustrating that, like, sort of this is where we've gotten to with this, where 
the blame gets put everywhere, but where I think it was just so obvious to see, um, especially when you already have evidence of this offense working and being in tune, you know, and, and working like a well-oiled machine, um, you know, two seasons ago. So I, it, it's frustrating, Jake. I, I understand it, but it's, it remains a very frustrating thing, I think, to you and me both. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it's like you have people, he's getting it from both sides. He has people who are complaining that they don't run the football enough. Don't give the running backs, whoever the running backs are, Nick, or they don't get the ball enough. Never give the running backs the ball enough. Well, then you don't throw the football to your wide receivers enough. Well, like, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want the offense to be? Would you rather them be the identity we think they're they're probably supposed to be, which is built around these two stellar running backs and an offensive line built to run block extremely well and do that? Or would you rather them put the game in Baker Mayfield's hands all the time, which thus leads to more wide receiver targets? I think that answer is pretty obvious. Even when Baker was at his best in 2020, that's who they are. That's just kind of what they've become. Maybe they didn't mean to become that, but that's what they inherited from John Dorsey was, oh, Nick Chubb turned out to be a really stellar player. Oh, they signed Kareem Hunt on a, on a cheap deal because of a terrible life situation that he encountered. He forced whatever like that that's what they inherited so they looked at it and i think it's pretty obvious why you would structure things the way they do and hey a byproduct of having a run heavy system is that your wide receivers don't get 175 targets like stefan diggs and buffalo who runs everything through josh allen as they should because he's hyper talented or pat mahomes or joe burrow these justin herbert it's obvious like don't what what you should be comparing them to what is the titans distribution of the football look like what does uh, you know, the Rams are a heavy 11, but you could even look at San Francisco. What does their distribution look like? You know, those are the teams you should be comparing to those teams right. that have quarterbacks that are dynamic. That's obvious. So like, I think people in a, in, in a sense are on the right path, like as a wide receiver and free agency, not that I'm crazy about going and get high paid wide receivers, but I really would probably not love the idea of coming to Cleveland unless the money was really good because a Baker Mayfield's uncertainty as a player and his future and B it's a system that really I'm not going to get high targets with Mayfield like I'm just not with that quarterback and you know so like you mix that in it's not that you're not going to get on the field I mean they'll put they put wide receivers on the field you know even the team that are high volume 13 personnel are going to have a ton of 11 personnel naturally it just happens it's just the Browns still ran a ton of 11 personnel just you compare them to the rest of the league it's not 
as high volume as the rest of the league. So listen, I get that angle, but I'm not getting the angle that like a guy, if you're talking to Christian Kirk or DJ shark or whoever, if you want to even go bigger, heavy swingers, like the Allen Robinson's of the world or, or uh, who, you know, whoever else is out there, Devontae Adams, not that that's happening, but they're not going to go, man, I'm not going to Cleveland because of Kevin Stefanski. No, there's, there's another reason, man. There's, there's another reason. If anything, I think players would say the reason I would go to Cleveland is Kevin Stefanski. You know, like if anything to me, yeah, it's not, um, it's not the quarterback (laughs) after, not after this season. Um, and you know, there's, I don't know how I want to phrase this because I don't want to act like I'm reporting anything, you know, but it's just like you, you and I both, I think have heard whispers of, you know, how the, how the locker room feels about the Mm -hmm. quarterback and all that stuff. There's just. I, I think there's a lot that, you know, probably will never come to light in an official capacity. And this isn't me officially saying anything. You just, we both know people and talk to people and th- there is, I think, a lot of frustration. So it's just like, if if anything, if players are going to come, it's because of the coach. And it's because it seems like the, the guys enjoy playing for Kevin Stefanski. Like he, he's even through this season that was just filled with, drama and injuries and and struggles like it's it, it didn't ever seem to me like Stefanski had lost anybody or um you know outside of maybe some some tension with Baker but that was for you know there are that's a different situation than the rest of the roster so yeah I'm with funny. you I'm even I'm even yeah. like calling it a net neutral I think Stefanski's a net neutral I think you could look yeah. you could look at like if I was a wide receiver and I sat down with my agent and I looked at the data and I said well you know uh, they don't, it's 94 it's targets for digs. The next year it's 90, 101 for Jarvis. Like, you know, probably not, but like, okay, what's surrounding it? Why is he doing it? Well, if he, if, if, if Stefanski had job, I can pick on Stefanski. I get rid of Austin Hooper's targets. There's some things I would do differently yep. than Kevin. No doubt. No doubt. Some and things I would what, do differently. Right. And I was going to say just briefly yeah. is like, and these are the fair criticisms, you know, like these are the things like, okay, if you want to have a conversation about Kevin Stefanski and yeah, like who he's sometimes throwing the ball to, if you have a problem like I think like they ran stick like far too often for my liking for like, you know, like it's stuff like that. Then, okay. That's a totally fair conversation to have, but that's not his scheme. You know, that's just like, listen, any, every NFL offense runs stick, you know, like it's, it's happening everywhere. Just it's, Hey, I'm trying to put Baker in a situation where he doesn't have to move much and can get rid of the ball quickly because I don't know what the hell else to do. Like there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of like, if I could listen to that headset, there's a whole bunch and you can watch it from the all 22 on the sideline. You can see the head coach and you can see the play caller. And when shit goes sideways, it doesn't take a magnifying glass to see the frustration. I'm just going to be honest. If you want to look at that, feel free, but it's out there. It's for you to find and consume if you want to consume it. So, like, I totally am in agreement with you. If Josh Allen was the quarterback of this team, or Matt, Pat Mahomes, or Herbert, or Burrow, and we were having this conversation with Stefanski, I'd be all over Kevin ripping him, no doubt. But look at the things that he has here. Like, if they get better wide receivers from one to four, they're going to play more of them. If they if they get rid of Hooper and they only have two good tight ends, probably going to go more twelve personnel. Like, he's going to adjust to what he has. I don't understand what you wanted him to. To do last year he was giving Odell opportunities the quarterback was missing Odell's gone you tweak it up like Odell was on the field plenty the top guys are on the field plenty if you want them to throw like if if you want them to throw Rashard Higgins like if you're choosing between Rashard Higgins Anthony Schwartz and like 
like uh, your third tight end. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like, it's a it's what are you picking? There's there's it's like you, there there's nothing there. There's, there's nothing, nothing there. there dude. Like, what is Jarvis at this point in his career? Yes, you know? like, I know. There is just you know for as much as we all love Jarvis, and this will be you know we'll be talking about what's going to happen with Jarvis all off season. For as much as we love the dude, you know he is on sort of the backside of a career and he was already not a guy that's ever really stretching the field for you. You know, he's not that type of receiver. So again, like there are just the personnel combined with the play of the quarterback is I think exactly what you said. Like there's a lot of stuff that Kem Stefanski probably had his hands tied in terms of when he realized, like, I think Jake, I think maybe the only game that he got to do what he really wanted to do was that opener against the chiefs. Like I, and then because like that, the offense that day, um, was good. Now, like, Kansas City's defense sort of rocked back and forth between, like, awful and decent, you know? But, like, mm-hmm. regardless of that, they they that game, when they came out and played for most of that game, that off, the offense was really clicking. And then everything, you know, sort of with the injury and all that, Baker kind of went downhill quick after that. So I really feel like the only time you saw Kevin in full, like, offensive operating capacity – was that game against Kansas City in the opener? Because Could, then everything went sideways. Couldn't agree more. And it's like, okay, so, you know, who are his explosive players? If you're looking at this list, uh, Sans Odell at the beginning of the season because he's coming back from an ACL, who are your most explosive guys? I mean, Kareem and, and Nick are at the top of the list. And then it's like, okay, you want to complain, like all of the complaints about not giving the running back the football enough, they put it in Baker's hands in some of these late games in the year and said, hey, Baker, go make it happen. Show us what it's, show us what you have, targets to different people. And it's like, you saw that result and you still think that the wide receivers were the, the issue with wide receiver production was the coach's fault. That's the conclusion you land at. I cannot, I cannot get behind it. Okay, and also another thing, man, like, Stop questioning Stefanski's scheme when you're talking about personnel, right? Like, like, like stop scheme, how you run your system in terms of route concepts, run concepts, uh, plays that build off of each other and mirror each other, play action based things is a scheme. It's a basic principle of an offense personnel is not scheme. So if you want him to run more 13 for whatever ungodly reason you wanted him to run more 11 personnel, I'm sorry. If you wanted him to run more 11, like I explain it, give me your reasoning, explain it. You think if he gets Tyler Boyd, he Higgins and Jamar chase, you think he's dumb enough to not put those three guys on the field at the same time all the time. Like Zach Taylor, some, some genius. Like, come on, dude, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Come 11, on. 11 personnel looks a little different when it's Anthony Schwartz, Richard Higgins and Jarvis. Jarvis oh, three wide receivers. I just yeah. can't get, I can't get with it. Like I need somebody. And again, like I asked and it's like, well, he doesn't make adjustments. What proof do you have that adjustments weren't made because things didn't work just because something doesn't work does not mean adjustments were not made. Right. Like yep. that's something like yes. give me concrete evidence. And if this is an open invite still to anybody who wants to come on and give me some evidence of things there, like I, you can nitpick personnel, you know, the Najoku thing. And again, we're ranking the guys who can create explosives. I continue to not understand that. I continue to also say there has to be more there than what we understand. I don't think he's as dynamic as some people want to sell. I still like him, want him around and want him to be on the field more. And I would love to give his targets from, from Hooper to, to Najoku, but, He's not George Kittle, and he's not the tier below it. He's a little below that. Not as great an athlete as you think. Not as great. Uh, a, a physical specimen, but but not a 
burner, not a quick twitch guy. So he's really a go up and get it guy or a, a, a ball that has to be in a tight catch radius because he doesn't get crazy with catch radius and consistency there. So, but again, I want him here. I want Hooper's targets in his direction. I, I, I have a complaint about Kevin with that stuff. Like, but man, I think that right now people are trying to mask the real issues and just trying to put it all on Kevin, where if they just got acceptable quarterback, I'm not asking for you to be uh, Justin Herbert here uh, or Allen. I'm just asking for you to be like, I, I don't, I don't know. Teddy Bridgewater better. Like, I don't know. I mean, that might be yeah, a reach. I don't like, know. I, Maybe I, I, like give Davis me Mills Matt Ryan. Like if he would have been Matt, if you'd <laughs> yeah. have been, yeah. If you'd have been Matt Ryan, right. Like, that would have been completely different if he was just Matt Ryan good last year. It would have been a playoff team and you're not having these discussions. Maybe Baker gets back there. I don't know. But you have to look at it from a coach's perspective of who they're putting on the field and why they're doing the things they're doing and stop living in a like like Madden world, uh, right, where it's like you, you think you can do these things because of a player rating. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. It doesn't work that way. So if the Browns get better wide receivers and maybe Baker takes another gigantic, some gigantic leap, maybe he does get more trust in the quarterback and he does uptick the passing game and he whatever. I but how they're built is how they're built. And until they improve at wide receiver, they're not going to have an influx of wide receiver snaps to, to match 11 personnel around the league. And they're certainly not going to go crazy on targets. So I just would like to stop having people. There's some things you can get after Kevin about. I, I'm not, he's not above reproach here, but like that, that stuff drives me crazy. That stuff drives me crazy. And I'm telling you right now, point blank, whether you want to hear this or not, he, Kevin is not the reason a wide receiver of substantial value on the market. Who again, I still don't think they're going to go after anybody crazy. I, st- I, he's not the reason they're turning this place down. I'm just being transparent about it. So, and yeah. you should go do your, your homework on why Stefan Diggs wanted to leave Minnesota. Just go do that homework because it's not what some people try to say. So anything else you want to add to that? I think we've covered it. I, I just no, I like, it's, I, it's, it's irking me. It's irking me yeah. that it's out there and it's like, come on, man. Come on. No, I mean, I think, yeah, no, you and I are on the same page. I think, um, while I understand the frustration that comes after a season with high expectations that does not go well, and I understand that you, you always have to look for someone to blame, I just don't understand why the blame doesn't go to, to the obvious place. And especially, like, my whole thing is, like, listen, we saw the offense operate at a high level. What is the difference this year? What's the difference? And it's it's so – it's just right in front of your face. And so it is very frustrating to me to, to sort of – continue to see uh, the goalposts goalposts sort of move on you know why like now it's over to Stefanski because I guess that's the natural progression of things when you don't want to put it on the quarterback play um you know if Baker's going to get credit for for being great two seasons ago he, he should certainly get the blame for you know being not great this season so that no I think we've we've covered it enough it's just um yeah, it, there's there's evidence there was a baseline set and then that baseline wasn't hit and there's one reason for it and um I think it's it's frustrating to not see that be grasped, but you know there there is always going to be more than any other team. I swear, there is always going to be emotion involved um, when you talk about Baker Mayfield, when you talk about the Browns, um, and that makes it a little more difficult conversation to have. It is, it is, and again, an open invite. I, if you can prove me wrong on this and justify why I'm wrong, and if I see the data or I see your video and I understand where I'm wrong on this, I will. Eat some humble pie. Totally willing to do that. But I am just, I'm needing somebody out there to explain this to me like I'm five 
what I'm missing about this conversation that has popped up recently. So open invite uh, DMs are open. Hit me up. More than willing to hear your side on it. I offered and nobody wanted to come on the pod. So uh, I decided Jordan was a good guy to chat about it with. So let's listen. Let's switch to uh, to defense real quick. Not not not. I don't want to spend very long here. Two two key questions. Uh, do, do you want slash need Jadevian Clowney back? Uh, the Albert Breer thing about the locker room presence was weird. And the, uh, the scare of an injury happening after you got through a good year with him is also out there. But I also understand when he was right last year, the dude was a really fun player. So just curious where you stand on Clowney as free agencies creeping up on us. Um, yeah, I, I still would like him back. I, I think like he's just, I, I agree with you that like the fear of, because of, what his career has been um, in terms of like injury wise and, and all of that stuff um, is like, okay, they got through one season kind of clean, uh, you know, and you're, you're almost like bracing for um, a sort of injury plague season. Cause that's just kind of how his career has gone. But I just think like he was, he was so valuable last season that, even if there's some regression in it, like he probably, I don't know, isn't going to have his highest sack total again since whatever year it was in Houston. So like, like there's probably going to be some regression expected, but like, I think he is truly the perfect like compliment to miles um, in that you, you don't need him to be a huge sack guy. And he's so good against the run and, and just even just pressure wise, like he was great. So I think like he compliments miles so, so well. And I mean, I think that's as well as he's played um, for, you know, outside of the early years of his career. So I I would be hard pressed to just kind of be like, I don't know if it's an absolute need, but it is certainly a a want for me. I I think it's it's well worth bringing him back um, just because of sort of what he he offered miles on the other side. Um, And I I just think I thought those two fed off each other in a way that, um, you know, you hadn't really seen miles with with anybody else throughout his, his time here. So I am still on the would love to bring Jadevian back um, and, and would love to let them have another year sort of in the system and get after it together. So I'm still very much on that train. Yeah. I wonder if they don't, what, uh, what old Manny Agba thinks of Cleveland. After, oh man. After, yeah. And he's, he's, and nice he's flourished. Run. He's, he's flourished, flourished in Miami. He's, he's had a great, I've, I have a soft spot in my heart for, for Agba because, um, you know, as a, as a Sashi Brown apologist, um, I, uh, I always appreciate some of his, his draft picks, his, his under the radar draft picks. And, uh, I always really liked Agba. I mean, he didn't play like he has been in Miami quite to that level in Cleveland, but like, I, I was always an Agba guy. So soft spot in my heart for Emmanuel. One of many fun choices. Uh, just curious. Yeah. About how, I would love to know how he feels about Cleveland, but anyway, yes. um, last question here. Are you team? I mean, some things can change. Between now and the draft, I don't expect a ton to change. I guess there could be a blockbuster signing or a blockbuster wide receiver deal. Like a, I mean, Calvin Ridley's too old for me. I just have a hard time thinking Dallas will actually let Cooper go when both Gallup and Cedric Wilson are in the free agency realm. But like, yeah, are you team we need to take a wide receiver in the first round and stop overthinking it? Or do you think that like another position maybe the end uh, edge? I don't think there's an interior D lineman worth 13, but like, or, I, I guess are you set on a wide receiver at that spot or do you want to see them do something else there that you're open to that, I guess? I'm definitely not team like wide receiver or bust, but I do think that if, 
Garrett Wilson is there, um, I would be very hard pressed to to pass on him. Um, I just think, you know, this kind of circles back to our conversation where it's not the scheme, it's the personnel. Um, it didn't work with OBJ for reasons that we've been over a lot, uh, but they still, so they need somebody, they need, they need a one. They just do, you know, it, it doesn't need to be, you know, like somebody like Garrett Wilson, like it doesn't even have to be somebody of that skill set. But like, if you're presented with the opportunity, because I'm with you, I don't think they're going to, I don't think Andrew Barry is going to go to make some crazy splash and free chief for wide receiver. And again, like you said, outside of like Devontae Adams, which, you know, that's their point, very small chance of that even being a consideration. It's like, there just isn't like, I don't think Alan Robinson doesn't really do it for me at this point, any of that. So if you have the opportunity, you know, and Garrett Wilson's sitting there at 13 and, and you can bring him onto this team, you don't even need him to be this polished, like immediate, like I'm going for a thousand yards type of guy. Because I, like we said, like that's not what the offense is and the scheme is set to do because it's an equal opportunity offense. But just to have that threat again, mm-hmm. just to have a guy that the defense is like, really going to respect because right now you just don't have a guy that is especially over the top is is really you know freaking any defenses out so for me like if Garrett is there you know there's been a handful of mocks that have come out that already have that happening it's just like it would be really hard pressed for me if they went in a different direction and passed on him because I do think that he would just the energy that I think he would put into no matter who the quarterback is next season, I, the energy I think he would kind of inject into the offense is something that I think they need after the OBJ experience and after sort of just Austin Hooper. And yet just like, there's just not a ton of excitement personnel wise for the Browns right now, outside of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you know? So I think that like that, that for me would be tough. So I, I am on to sum that up. I guess I'm on team, definitely draft Garrett Wilson if he's there. Now, if he's not, like if he goes higher as a surprise or whatever, then maybe I think you can start looking at, you know, okay, let's, if there's somebody better at a different position that we need that looks good to us, then let's do it. But man, I, I just think that Garrett Wilson is, is he's too good to, to pass up on at this point. So that's, that's where I'm at. He's a dude, man. He's a dude. He's a dude. You he made a, a dude. You made, you made a good point there that I don't think people talk enough about. We're always spending our time talking about what free agency wide receivers want to come here and why would they want to come here and blah, blah, blah. I think you have to know when, when we, when we get an idea based on this draft of what the Browns like in a wide receiver, a huge point will be things that us on the outside breaking this down. will never know. They're going to talk to their college coaches Were these guys, were these guys team oriented guys, or were they, I need my target type of guys. Like I know most wide receivers want the football, almost all of them. I get it, but it is going to take a special type of person at the wide receiver position, the same way it takes a special talent there for them, because it is not even at their best of what we know of Kevin, it is going to be a hundred target guy. Could they get, you know, if they get a real, real guy there, uh, who's there for a full season and all of that and is all in. Could they get crazier? Of course. But like they are going to need a very mature young player who, again, you're asking a lot of these guys, Drake Jackson's 20, uh, sorry, Drake London's 20. Like, you know, the Wilson and Olave are young. They're they're 21, 22 years old here. Like you, you got to ask, can these guys mentally handle this situation? There is a situation here. 
So that part of it, we will never know because we're on the outside looking in. You know, that's what the that, that's honestly what these guys are paid to do. I think some people who are draft analysts are very good at this and could do it for front offices. But how good are you with the people aspect? Right. That's what they really get paid for is solving people, solving people, solving personalities and how that all fits in. That's what the front offices are really, really paid for. And uh, I don't think that gets talked about enough. So if they don't pick the guy you wanted them to pick, uh, we need to hear their justification. Like what about this guy was why you wanted him kind of thing. So that's an element uh, that I don't think it's talked about enough that we should talk about a little bit more. But anyway, um, we're going to close with one more fun question. Are you team punter kicker drafted in this draft or are you anti-specials ever picked in the draft that's um that's a really good question i mean there's a punter drafted every year essentially there there is they teams keep doing it i mean you look at like evan mcpherson for the Bengals, and like you can see the impact a good kicker has you know like he he had the season of his life um but I, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> I think I'm probably on team don't do it because more often than not, it just seems like it becomes a situation where they're just, they're fine or they're not, you know, they're not worth the draft pick that you take them at. Mm-hmm. And if you're, I, I truly think like, yes, like obviously kicking remains a, a part of the game and it is, um, you still need a, a kicker you can feel confident in, but man, it's just like the amount of times the growing, like going forward on fourth downs, the you know, two point conversion rates kind of going up. Like, I just think that it's the kicker becomes mitigated a little bit. And because of that, I probably just wouldn't do it. I probably would just like, I think you can find someone in the scrap heap. Like it may not be, you may not have like a guy that's going to kick a hundred percent on the season, but like, I think if you you can find a a above average kicker, then you'll be okay. So I think I've just actually talked myself into being no team don't draft a kicker. So that's where I'm at. Evan McPherson, fifth round pick, also a fifth round pick. Austin Seibert. So oh, good old I'm, Austin. I'm team throw a seventh round pick at a guy. And, okay. Uh, and, I don't think and, I'd be furious at a seventh rounder. I think like at that point you're like okay. Um, yeah. But most, I, I will most, say like. Go ahead. I was just going to say, too, like, McPherson really did, like, I mean, he had a huge impact on that Bengals mm-hmm. season. Uh, yeah, and he no was doubt. great. That dude has ice in his veins. So, like, you know, that's the that's the data point on, yeah, do it, you know. But, um, unfortunately, I just don't think that's how it – that's not how a rookie season usually goes for a, for mm-hmm. a rookie kicker. So, um, he may be an anomaly, but he was he was awesome. So, um, it, it, it clearly was worth that fifth rounder. Yeah, he's an anomaly. I, I think like your your thought process too is, well, usually, hey man, by the seventh round, anybody who's deemed like super high prospect kicker or punter is probably gone by then. So yeah. why not just get them in UDFA? So I totally get that angle too. I just, I don't know. I, I'm not against it, but uh, I just would like to throw a pick that doesn't ever really matter. The seventh rounder so yeah. rarely ever matter. It's like, could you take a flyer there? I don't know. Anyway, that was a fun conversation about uh, kickers that we had to fit in the end of our <laughs> podcast here. Bro, I appreciate you, man. This was good as usual. Um, we will probably try to get with you after free agency if, if you can fit us in your schedule. We appreciate it. This pod, the listeners, me, all of us, appreciate your time, man. Yeah, of course. It is, um, you know, it's my it's my off season now. So just like the players, um, you know, after putting my body through a grueling 18 game season and, and the playoffs and the Super Bowl, you know, I'm 
I'm getting my rest. So um, I'm around, you know, I'm basically <laughs> the same as an NFL player. So, Hey, well, listen, ice bath, a lot of STEM therapy, get, get <laughs> yeah. with, uh, get with the right chef this off season, get your diet, right. Yeah. Got to get my nutrition, right. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. Got to stay away from in and out and just really get things <laughs> together over here. So. All right, man. We expect you to be back and better next year, better than ever before. <laughs> we are going to get you before that point uh, and yuck it up. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, man. All right, guys. That's a wrap for today. Thanks to Jordan for taking time uh, to just to hang out and talk Browns and do what he does. And it's always good conversation. So make sure you're following him. Uh, not just Brown stuff, but fun calf stuff, fun uh, some fun other things too that he likes to get into. It's well worth your time as a Twitter follow. And uh, make sure you're checking out the Checkdown too. Uh, they do some great stuff, interactive stuff one of the best uh, large accounts covering the NFL. So check them out too. As a reminder, uh, the OBR, we got some more fun things coming out on D line this week. Uh, Cody, Cody Silk looked at defensive line interior. Uh, I think whole defensive line analytic options. that made sense on the market. Uh, we're going to have some numbers on the performances of guys in house from Anthony Reinhardt tomorrow, that will be up uh, for VIP subscribers. And then I'm going to have something uh, with my opinion on Clowney uh, by Friday for VIP as well. So keep your eye out for those things. Thanks for joining and supporting everything the OBR does, the Twitch, the website, and most importantly for joining this podcast and taking time out of your day to listen. Appreciate you very much. Have a great Thursday and go Browns.